0: Welcome to the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hostfully. Hostfully is a property management and guest experience software for short-term rentals that helps management companies, large and small, scale their vacation rental businesses. With features designed to help manage and grow property management operations, this could be the solution for you. Use the promo code VRF100 to save $100. Let's get started. Here's your host, Heather Bayer.
1: Well hello and on today's episode we're talking about how to build your success plan. I used to call it a business plan but in fact it's a blueprint for your success and I'm going to go through every element of it to ensure that at the end of this episode you have all the tools you need to be fully successful. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and I'm super excited to be back with you as ever. This is my first recording from the tin can in Gulf Shores, Alabama. I shouldn't call it a tin can. This is the first recording from my winter home down here in Gulf State Park, Alabama. And I'm all set up now, super happy to be here. The weather is just fabulous. Having said that, the weather back home in Ontario has been pretty darn good as well. They've had record temperatures there. And I know I spoke to my sister the other day and she said they were still out gardening. And that is unheard of in November in Ontario. But hey, I'm super happy to be down here on the waterfront and enjoying every single minute of the day. So what am I bringing you today? Well, it's a solo episode. I have no one to interview this week. I've got loads of really great interviews coming up. You're going to be hearing from some super people over the next six or eight weeks with the schedule I have lined up for you. But for today, it is just me, and I am talking about success planning. Now, you could, I suppose, call it business planning, a business plan, but business plans just sound so boring. And actually, to calling it as a success plan, I think, is much better verbiage, much better way of putting it, and perhaps it will keep your interest through to the end of this. And I hope, it, I hope it will, because. Things are changing, folks. And I don't think, well, I think you have to have your head under a rock to know that the heady times of 2021 and summer of 2022 are pretty much over now. And although I've heard of some people who are still doing really, really well and booking right through the fall and the winter and into 2023, it's not the case for most of us. Most of us are struggling a little bit or or feeling, feeling the pinch, feeling the challenge that is coming with the economic situation, with the travel Boom of 2022 beginning to fade out a little bit. People have, you know, they did all their revenge travel after the pandemic, and now it's very much back to normal, you know, sort of back to 2019, but with a bit of a twist. And that twist, of course, is that people are feeling the pinch economically. And if it's a drive to destination, it is, and I know this because we've just driven from Ontario down to Alabama. And it it cost us exactly double to drive from there to here as it did in 2019. So anybody that's doing drive-to vacations has got to factor that into their travel plans. And then of course, you know, I was looking the other day at, you know, if I want to come home at any time, it used to be just, you know, I'd get dropped off in Pensacola at the airport, and fly home to Ontario for about $345. Well, now the cheapest flight is over $600. So it, it really is making me think twice about travel. And that, that's travel back to see family. So I can imagine what it's like for those who are thinking about traveling for vacation purposes. So despite uh, Airbnb on the latest earnings call talking about record profits and having a record quarter, it is not really showing up in hosts and managers' bottom line at the moment, particularly when we're thinking towards the winter and towards 2023. So we've got to be very, very savvy as we go into next year. It's no longer a matter of just sitting back and letting the guests come because we've got to be way, way more proactive now. So over the next few weeks we're going to be talking about that a bit more. We're going to talk about, you know, how to build content, how to attract more people to your websites, how to build your direct booking strategy even more because it's it's going to be mega important. Because one of the factors that has been pointed out as underpinning some of the downturn for people is the, is the mass of new properties that came online over the last year or 18 months. So, if you're just relying on Airbnb and VRBO to do the work for you, you've got that mass of competition. You've got to now be out there being proactive, working at it, spending the time, spending some money on creating a good direct booking strategy. But that's, that's really a topic for another episode, which we will be talking about over the next couple of weeks. But today, I want to talk about success planning to actually really sit down and think about where you want to be, where you're going to be in the next five years or 10 years, etc. And if you've listened to some of my previous episodes over the last year... I've talked on multiple occasions about selling my property management business, which uh, closed in June of this year. And in one episode, I did talk about how ill-prepared I felt we were going into that transaction, that sales process, and learning so much about how to do it right. So if I ever did it again, which I am not going to be running another property management company, but if I did... Ever do that again? I would start right from the beginning with a plan to exit, with a, a rolling plan that went year on year and got updated every year. Because often we think that a business plan is just something that we put together when we want to raise some money. You know, you want to go to the bank, you want to ask them for some money, so you write a business plan and you use a template, and that's it. It's a one and done thing. And what I am going to be talking about is that it should not be once and done. It shouldn't be a set it and forget it exercise. The business plan, or let's take out the word business plan to call it success plan. Business success plan should be a live document. And what I mean by that, it should be reviewed. It should be analyzed. It should be updated. It should be refreshed every single year. It's not something that you just do the once and you put it away in a drawer and forget about it. Because I believe as we go into this next decade of vacation rentals or short-term rentals, that only the strong are really going to survive. Only those that are really businesslike about running their business are going to make it. And we're already hearing of, of people who are deciding that they're going from short-term rentals back into long-term, or they're selling their properties. And at this point, you know, some who bought in at the high levels of 2021 and 2022 are going to be selling at a loss. So maybe they could think again and begin to plan for holding on for another five years. I'm making sure that what they are going to do is going to give them the success that will make for a profitable departure when it eventually happens. So why should you have a business success plan? After all, it might just be you. You might not want to be going out to get any funding. Often, as I said, we think business plan means raising money. But in fact, a business success plan is something that reminds you all the time of why you're doing this thing. You know, it doesn't just sit in your head, it's out there on paper that you can revisit every year and remind yourself of, of why you're actually doing it. And saying that, you know, one of the reasons to have a good business success plan is to get all that stuff out of your head, We think about our businesses all the time. We think about where we want to be. We think about our business goals. But that's a lot of what we do is we think about it. We don't actually get it out of the head and down and written. And there is some really good research to show that, you know, if you write down your goals, and this is really old stuff, but if you write down your goals, you are more likely to achieve them you're more likely to reach the goals that you're setting yourself if they are written down. And it doesn't matter where you write them down, write them down on scraps of paper and stick them on a board somewhere. I'll just, just, uh, just one example. This time last year, we were just heading down here from Ontario. The border opened on the 8th of November. And at that time, we we carried with us in the back of the truck, our 16-year-old beagle, Maya. And she hates traveling. And we have to administer some sedatives to her, which actually knock her out. But I remember driving down and we, we were talking about, you know, we really d- did want to get another dog. And I was desperate to get a German Shepherd. So I had you know, set this goal that by the time we came back next year, meaning this time, I would have my German Shepherd. And at the same time, I wanted to sell the business. The time had come. And my business partner and I had decided that this was something we wanted to do. And so there were two goals that I had written down. And one was very diverse goals. One was to get myself a German Shepherd dog that was going to be my companion for the next 10 or 15 years. And the other one was we were going to sell the business. And here we are a year later, both goals accomplished. And I've done this for many, many years. And, you know, maybe you could call it manifestation. I have some weird and wonderful beliefs. And one of them is that, you know, if you, you can manifest whatever you want. And in general, I have been doing this for, the, for, for over 30 years. You know, whatever I want, I'll write it down. I'll I'll spin some magic over it. And, and it actually happens. And, uh, and this just happened. So, Going back, that, that seems like a huge segue into one of the reasons why you need to have a business success plan. And that reason is to get that stuff out of your head and down on paper because it's more likely, you're more likely to achieve it if you do that. Okay, the second reason and <laughs> This worked for us to a degree because I did have a plan when we sold the business, but it it wasn't one that had been going for years and years. I sort of happily or, or very quickly put one together because a good business success plan is a sound foundation for a successful business sale. And you cannot sell your business without having all this stuff written down. So don't do what I did and leave it to the very last minute and then think, oh, I've got to have a business plan, got to get this all down. So unless you're going to hand off your business to somebody else, or or if you're an independent owner, maybe you're going to sell the property. But if you are growing a property management company, one of your goals should be ultimately that you're going to sell it. And having a business success plan makes that a darn sight easier when you actually get there, and particularly one that's live that has been adapted and reviewed and updated and analysed over time. So, thirdly, it establishes your business milestones. It sets those goals and, you know, lays out your long-term plans. If you're a property management company, it would, it would say, the business plan will say, how many properties you're going to take on each year and how many staff you might have within the next five years and we're going to go into these in a bit more detail as we go through this episode, it will help you define your competitive edge. And so many people, and this is this is so important at the moment, when we are going through these challenging times, because we can't be complacent anymore. We can't just sit there and think that you know things are going to happen and that guests are going to come and we're going to achieve what we want to achieve without actually doing any work for it. So, a business success plan really makes you define your competitive edge. It makes you look at your competition and figure out what it is that you're going to be doing better than they are. A further reason to do this is to assess the feasibility of the business, looking at trends and threats and market fluctuations, and over time, looking at you know, how things change and what you've done differently. You know, Is the business still as feasible as it was last year, will it be feasible next year if you continue to do what you've always done, etc.? Then it helps you to document your revenue models. You know how you're going to make money and meet your financial obligations. And I know in my business we, we, we would go. For, it was a bit sort of wet finger in the air. Have we got enough money to see us through to the you know, to the end of the financial year? And certainly, when the pandemic hit, we were very fortunate that we always kept a big buffer to ensure that we'd be safe if business plummeted over time. And and that certainly worked for us then. But I have to say, it wasn't really planned. It was simply that my business partner has more financial acumen than I do and is very cautious. But if if you're like me and it's just, yeah, we'll be fine, then uh, a business success plan allows you to look at that and, and really assess whether, yeah, will we be fine? Would we be fine if this occurred? etc. It also forces you to research and know your business. We can sit there and, as I said, be complacent in times when business is really, really good and you don't actually see what's coming up either side of you or ahead of you or behind you. And when you're doing a success plan, you are forced to look at these things and to assess how they're going to impact your own business. So that's some really good reasons for doing this. <laughs> and I, I really encourage you to do so. And I'm gonna go on and talk a little bit more about what your success plan should include. But you know, once you've done it, you will have a much better picture of where you are now. You'll have a picture of where you wanna be. You'll set some goals for, let's say, 90 days. I love this 90-day thing. What am I going to do in the next 90 days? What am I going to do in the next 120 days? What am I going to do within a year? And then you visit the plan annually to update and reflect on where you were and how far you've come. Then over the years, you can file these away. And maybe in five years' time, you take out all your plans and you can see exactly where you've gone year by year by year. It's not in your head anymore. And I want to just share that you can download our business plan template when you've listened to this. I want you to listen to all of this. But you can go to the show notes. You can download the business plan template, and that will help you to go through every phase of the business plan, business success plan, and to ensure that you don't miss anything out. Now, this is not a 10-minute exercise. It's not, you know, I've, I've just finished this podcast. I'm going to sit down and do my business plan. This will probably take you a good week or even longer to do it thoroughly and to make sure that you have everything in place. But trust me, This exercise is so valuable. It really will help your business succeed and it will certainly help you jump out ahead of the competition. So just a reminder, building this plan, building this written plan is not a once done and forget it exercise. It's a live document and it should be reviewed, analysed and updated regularly. And you know, the situation might arise where you need to pull it out and present it to someone. You know, you do want to raise some money. You want to buy some more properties. You want to take on a business partner. And when you do, you'll have a recent snapshot of your business and your current goals. So don't skip it. You know, this is so important. It could save you a ton of time and effort down the road. So let's go through what you have to include. If you've ever done a business plan before, you'll probably have done an executive summary. This is because if you are looking for for a loan, looking for some business financing, or for somebody to invest in your company, at the start, they're not going to go through every piece of paper that you present. You know, you could have a 45-page business success plan. They want to know at the outset, what the salient points are, you know, is this actually worthwhile reading all the way through? And that's why a good executive summary makes the most, well, is one of the most crucial sections of your plan. And it's actually best written after you've created the body content of your plan. For those of you listening who've been to college, who've who've done your degrees or your postgraduate stuff, you know that when you write a paper and you want to do the summary, you always do the summary at the end. You don't do the summary at the start, but you need that summary so somebody reads it and thinks, I'm going to read further. So, an executive summary for a business success plan, the purpose of it is to distill all the details in the plan and it sort of gives a high level overview of the business. And in it, you just highlight the key points you developed while writing the plan. If you're writing it for your own planning purposes, If it's just for you, you're never going to share it with anybody else, you can skip this bit. But you know, it's always good exercise to do if you have the time, because you never know. You never know what's gonna happen. You never know when somebody's gonna come along and say, hey, I'm gonna give you a ton of money for your business. And you can just whip out the executive summary and says, oh, this is where we are right now. And this is where we're going. So the executive summary shouldn't be more than a single page and what it includes are your concepts, your goals, and your vision. You know, the business concept. What does your business do? Like my property management company, our business rented waterfront cottages. That's what we did. We rented properties with private waterfront. Business goals and visions. What does your business want to do? What does it want to be? For example, um, we, w- we are planning to expand to include a luxury brand with a goal of increasing by 30 properties every year. There's a good business goal. And then your product description and differentiation. What do you sell? Why is it different? And then also in your executive summary, you do summarize your operational features, your target market, who you sell to, who's your avatar, your marketing plan, how you plan on reaching customers, the current financial state. What do you currently make in revenue? Your projected financial state, what you foresee making in revenue, and also the team, you know, who's involved in your business right now. So, as I said, you can leave that to the side and you come back to it because all these things that are going into your executive summary are in the body of your success plan. So, here we go getting into the meat of it. The first thing people are going to want to know, or the first thing maybe that, that you need to share with yourself, is an overview of your business. What are you actually doing? You know, Who are you? What are your goals? Those are the two fundamental questions that this section, the business overview, answers. So, Answering the questions of who you are and what your goals are provides an introduction to why you're in this business, why you're different, what you've got going for you, and why you're a good bet if, you're, if you are asking for investment. But clarifying these details will still be a useful exercise, even if you're the only person who ever sees it. And it's a real opportunity to write down some of the more intangible facets of your business, like your principles, your ideals, and your hospitality philosophy. So what are you going to include in this overview? So you're going to start with your business structure, Are you a sole proprietorship, a general partnership, limited partnership, incorporated company, whatever that business function is, you're going to write that down. What's the nature of the business? An overview of the types of property in your portfolio, Yours, you know, are they just yours or are they third party? Where are they located? Is there a seasonal nature to it? What is the type of market? You know, is it beach or mountain or urban, etc.? Then provide a a brief description of the nature of the rental industry in your area. You know, the market share of uh, OTAs versus independent hosts and managers. There's certain areas where Some OTAs are stronger than others. Certain areas where booking.com is stronger than Airbnb or VRBO is stronger than booking.com, whatever. There's some areas where independent hosts and managers are still really strong with their direct booking tactics. But you need to place your location, your business within that framework of the nature of the rental industry in your area. So you want your vision, your mission and values. Uh, You need to define your values. You think about all the people your business is accountable to. And these could be your owners, your guests, your suppliers or employees. And then you think about how you'd like to conduct business with each of them. And your core values are likely to emerge as you start doing this exercise. Have you got a mission statement? A mission statement should define why your business exists and it shouldn't be more than a single sentence. I've you know some companies will take weeks and weeks to define their mission statement but you know it could be simple as something as simple as to fulfill a vacation dream for guests and create trust and confidence with owners. But it's so uh, useful worthwhile looking at other people's mission statements and get some ideas. So now you're going to write down some background information about you, your relevant experience in the business, you know, any related activities that pertain to it, such as a background in marketing or sales or tourism or um, hotel management, catering, etc. And often people forget this. They forget all these skills, the skill sets that they have with them, where they came from, and it's very worthwhile revisiting that. Then you want your business objectives, your short and long-term goals. Short-term are generally ones you plan to achieve in the next year, while long-term would be ones you're aiming for in the next one to five years. For example, in our property management company, we would sit each year and and talk about acquiring new properties and put a goal out of how many we wanted to bring on board each year, um, bearing in mind how many we would lose as well over time. You know, do you want to acquire other businesses? That, you know, if you've got that goal, write it down. And then your people include a summary of your existing team, not forgetting your cleaners, your maintenance staff, and, and any predicted hires along with their salaries and their hourly rates. So this is a sort of a, a snapshot of, of where you are at the time of writing this. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to take a quick break here to go across to David Jacoby from Hostfully, our sponsor. David is answering one of the most common questions we hear from property managers when they consider switching to a new property management system or are starting up for the first time. Okay, I'm back with David again. This question is dear to my heart because we have tried a couple of PMS platforms, or I did when I was a property manager transitioning to a new PMS can be really, really challenging. How does hopefully keep that learning curve manageable?
0: Yes, this is uh, part of our special sauce actually. We made a commitment a a few years ago and really doubled down on the onboarding and the customer support. So we have over 96% customer satisfaction rating from all our support questions. Right when you come on board, we set you up with an onboarding specialist who does multiple phone calls with you and understands what's unique to your situation. So the first call, they're doing a general intake and are seeing, are you just listed on Airbnb? Are you listed on multiple channels? Are you using uh, third-party pricing? company, in which case you need to set the pricing up there first and have that come into Hostfully so it can push to the channels. So they help you set up a game plan. And then over multiple calls over the next couple months, they check in with you and see how that game plan is going and answer your questions. Our customer support on an ongoing basis is 24-7. And as I mentioned, we get super high satisfaction ratings from that. We also have a customer success team, which is proactive and reaches out and meets with our customers on a regular basis to check in and make sure they're utilizing all their features. And then, of course, that's in addition to all our awesome help articles and our webinars. I know help articles isn't that exciting, but we have a lot and it really helps as well. So combined, that's our special sauce and and that's why our customers love us.
1: That's great. Thank you. That was David Jacoby from our sponsor, Hostfully. So here we are back talking about business success planning. And I just mentioned that the first part of this is doing an overview of your business. So we're now into the second part, which is the fun bit. It's the market analysis. Because the short-term rental market is highly competitive in some places, and it has wide open opportunities in others. So, if you've chosen the right market for your properties, one with plenty of demand, you've already got a head start on success. But as I talked about right at the beginning of this conversation with you, times are challenging right now, and things are way, way more competitive. And it's really important to pay attention to this market analysis because you're going to include an overview of inbound tourism numbers. You know, how many people are coming into your area? Has this risen? Has it decreased? Where are people coming from? You need to do this analysis of your business's position in the market and then also do it an overview of your competitors' and see, you know, are they having the same problems? Are they doing something different than, than you are doing? Are they achieving better results? This is where you really dive deep into the rental market for your area. And we're going to talk about SWOT analysis in a few moments. And that's where you can really dive into, you know, what, what the opportunities are that you can work towards capturing over time so you're going to be looking at the market size as well you need to incorporate an estimate of how many reservations you expect to take this is where your seasonality comes in because while it's exciting to imagine sky high sales figures you need to use as much relevant independent data as possible to validate your estimated potential market and certainly this is really important at the moment so you'd you'd use Companies such as Key Data or AirDNA or C Transparent to deliver some good statistics. So that's going to help you understand your customer profile. Where where are people coming from? How long are they staying? You want to research relevant patterns and trends in your market. Is a particular area becoming more popular? And you know these these things rise and dip over time different areas become popular through the pandemic urban visits were really really dropped off and people were heading out to the country and to the mountains and to remote places is this going to continue so you need to be subscribing to industry newsletters and websites like vrm intel uh, skift short term rentals i'll put links to all of these on the show notes you can go check them out but these are the things you should be reading and this once again, this is overriding the complacency that I think a lot of people have got themselves into. They're not looking at the wider picture or industry trends because things came too easy for way too long. And now you need to be out there really understanding how it's all hanging together or not. So you need to make some informed guesses because you'll never have perfect, complete information about the the size of your total market. So you need to base your estimates on as many verifiable data points as is necessary for a confident guess. That's a long way round of saying, you know, we don't know, but we can make good informed guesses if you have the material to look for. So as you're looking for that data, you know, you think about including statistics from tourism departments and industry associations. A lot of the vendors do research. Hostfully is is one in particular um, that does amazing research. Their annual survey uh, on the business is going to be out round about the mid to the end of December. I will be interviewing somebody from hostfully at that time to look at those results. You need to be looking at that sort of information because it's what's going to inform you going forward. I'd mentioned SWOT analysis, and I'm going to cover this really, really briefly. Um, I actually have a course, a complete course on doing a SWOT analysis, and I'll put a link to that in the in the in the show notes. But if you've ever been in the corporate world, you'd be familiar with a SWOT analysis as a business tool. You know, it's a great way to look at your business in new ways, with new um, from new directions. And what it is is looking at your strengths and weaknesses, and how you can leverage those to take advantage of the opportunities and threats that exist in your short-term rental market. As I say, not going to go much into detail on that. You can download the business plan template. It gives a little bit more information on a SWOT analysis. And I would strongly recommend that you really take some time to look at the internal strengths and weaknesses in your company. You know, what you do well, what you could do better, what helps you achieve your goals and the things that hold you back, etc., and then assess the external opportunities and threats, You know the sort of trends you can take advantage of, um, how to ter- turn your strengths into opportunities, and then the threats, maybe new competitors in the market, failure and supplier support, uh, all these different things that could impact your potential for capitalising on your strengths and these opportunities. So look it up, SWOT analysis, very, very useful. So uh, we talked about market share. You need to look at the competition in detail. You will have competition in your market, even if you've got a niche business. So it's important to include a competitive overview in your business plan. Um, If you're entering an established market with many other players, you need to include a list of a few property management companies who you consider to be your direct competitors and how you plan to differentiate the way that you market and operate your business. You know, for example, you could be focusing on just pet friendly or accessible properties or marketing to a particular niche like traveling nurses, or even just honing in on your location knowledge, which will stand you way out ahead of some of the consolidators who may have presence in your area, but actually don't know much about it. If you're entering a market where you can't easily identify direct competitors, consider them indirectly. You know, the, the accommodations are substitutes for yours, hotels, bed and breakfast, resorts, etc. And then think about your, where your potential guests are staying now and how to make sure you stand out from their current solution. So once you've identified the competition, you need to do the analysis of it, review what makes your properties and your business stand out. And there's three overarching factors you can use to differentiate your business at this point. And this is what you would put in your success plan. Number one is pricing. You have the capacity to offer lower prices than the majority of your competitors to maximize profits if you want to. And using good revenue management practices can be helpful. But just be careful not to make it a race to the bottom. We're beginning to see this happening and... The second part of this competitive analysis is differentiation, because if you can offer something distinctly different from your competitors, then you will not have to discount uh, as much as maybe others are doing if they're all offering exactly the same things. So in that differentiation, you might be offering concierge services, better cancellation terms, referral programs. You just stand out from the norm with the services you offer. And the third part of this is segmentation, you know, focusing on a very specific or niche target market, which again could be pet friendliness or accessibility, but focus on building traction with a smaller audience before moving on to a broader market. And we came across one recently, I was talking about it to someone from, with a Florida property management company, at the direct booking summit in Miami and they had worked with property owners to create sensory rooms in their properties so that they could advertise them for families with autistic children now there were some issues with that and I don't think it was as successful as they wanted it to be but I just using that as an example of tight segmentation just niching down on a very small section of the traveling population and build traction with those before moving on to a bigger audience. I mean those are major strategies to, to differentiate your business, but there's plenty of other ways you can compete within them. You know, you can use customization and design and branding and convenience to name a few. But these are all the details you need to build into your plan. Then, of course, the next stage is to define your products and your services. What, what is it that you're actually offering with uh, Cottage Link Rental Management, my, my former company? Our products were waterfront properties with private waterfront, and we've rarely veered away from that. It allowed us to focus on one particular area for a, a very demanding market, in fact. But take it some time to think about what are the products and services you offer, because you, if you're a property manager in particular, you've got two client groups. You've got your guests and you've got your owners. You've got to consider the services you're providing to both and make sure that these are written down, as well. Don't miss out on your owners and the services you provide to them because in this challenging market, you're going to need to differentiate in those terms as well and and make certain that your owners are being serviced really, really well. So moving on from the products and services, you go on to who your customers are, your customer segmentation and your ideal market, your ideal customer. Because the ideal customer is a foundation of your marketing plan, if not your business plan as a whole. And as you make strategic decisions as you go into the future, you'll keep this person in mind, which is why an overview of who they are is so important to understand and include. And this could change over time. Markets change. You know, don't expect that who your target market is right now is going to be the same target market as you will have in, in five years or ten years' time. And that's one of the reasons that this plan has to be live. It has to be revisited every single year. So when you do the customer segmentation exercise, you need to give a holistic overview of your ideal owner and your ideal guest and describe a number of the general and specific demographic characteristics of them. Um, this could include where they live, their age range, their level of education, how they spend their free time, what they, where they work, the work they do. There's a lot that goes into defining your perfect avatar, which is, you've probably heard that expression, it's your customer avatar or your customer persona. Every company does this. And if you haven't done this already, define who your perfect customers are, both owners and guests, then you're selling yourself short, for sure. Because you need to provide enough information so that it's unquestionably clear who you're trying to reach. And more importantly, why you've made the choices you have based on who your clients are and what they actually value. There's a really good chapter in the Customer Service Revolution, which is a book by uh, John DeJulius and To me, it's a must-read book. It's also very readable. It's a great book. And there is a a complete chapter in there about defining your target market and how this all works. Um, I strongly recommend you read it. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So moving on, moving on fairly quickly now, um, the marketing plan. You need to include a marketing plan in your business success plan. So you can keep track of where you're spending your money, and if that spending has been worthwhile. And the old the, the four Ps the price, product, promotion, and place that you may have done in marketing 101 somewhere else always you know always comes back as a perfect start for for doing this. What's your price point? Is it budget, luxury, mid market, etc.? And why did you make that decision? What sort of product is it? What type of accommodation are you selling? Promotion. How are you going to get your products in front of your ideal guest and place? What's your location? Promotion here might be the bulk of your plan since you can more readily dive into the tactical details, but the other three decisions should be covered at least briefly as really important strategic levers in your marketing mix. Then you need to define your business operations the workflows that you'll implement to make your ideas a reality. You know, if you're writing a business plan for your own planning purposes, this is still an important section to consider, even though you might not need to include the same level of detail as if you were seeking an investment. But you still want to cover all parts of your planned operations, including inventory acquisition, where you'll find your properties, how you onboard them, how you keep track of all potential and current Owners and properties, etc. Really big piece of that is that tracking. And if nothing else, you know, if you're a property manager and this whole exercise makes you start thinking about how you keep track of all your potential and current owners, then it's been it's been worth my time doing this. Um, property management systems, how you manage your changeovers and maintenance and schedules and etc communications what you have in place for guest communication your reservation systems how you're going to fulfill booking requests etc and your support technology the additional platforms you use to streamline your operations we often have all these different bolt-ons to a property management system and over time you can f- really forget that you've you've got some of these in place and i have heard of property managers who have been subscribing to two almost identical platforms because they'd forgotten that they'd bought into one years ago and then another one came along and they bought into that one too it's not unknown so certainly keeping a good track of your of the technology you're using each year and then that takes us on to the financial plan which is the last part of this overall business success plan because Everything we do involves money, whether it's the money we take in from you know, the, the revenue we, we bring in. And it's all those outgoings that go out to the vendors and the maintenance people and the, uh, you know, our suppliers in general. And if we don't keep that balanced, you end up finding that you're nowhere near as profitable as you thought you were and nowhere near as profitable as you could be. And that is one clear outcome of doing this exercise, that you do this annual review of how much money is coming in and how much money is going out. And it's a little bit beyond what your accountant is going to, well, it's a lot beyond what your accountant is going to give you in terms of an income statement and the financial statements at the end of your tax year. But, I mean, you do, you do need to include these, your income statement, a balance sheet, and a cash flow statement, and some financial projections. But to me, I think the most important for a business success plan is to have a cash flow statement and a forecast, which, go, which is rolling year on year. It shows the exact amount of your cash inflows and outflows, and you can pick up on it quarterly or monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever. And it will give you that bottom line of, you know, are we actually making money or are we not making money? And also to identify areas where you could perhaps do some cost cutting, where you are spending on you're spending on extra technology and where there are other opportunities for revenue. So you can use the format for forecasting changes in income as a result of in- acquiring new properties or any increases in outgoing liabilities if you take on board new operating platforms or software services. Always have a review with your financial manager or an accountant once a year. And while that may be just to sign off your annual accounts, use it more... You know. Add in there some discussion with them about cash flow forecasting and are you doing it right and where there are areas where you could save. Whoa, I think I'm run out of words. I think I'm run out of words. The more I, the more I think about this, you know, and it, it, it's really stuck in my head since I sold the business that I didn't really have a good handle on how the business all came together and all these different component parts. You know, I've been running it with my business partner for, for near, nearly 20 years. And we knew the business inside and out, but it, so much of it was in our heads. And we could sit together and, and talk about it. And, you know, we, we had a very healthy business. And, and we'd done some really, really good stuff. But I think if we had, and we didn't, do this exercise. I must, you know, I hasten to add, we did not do this. If we had, I think we would probably have gone through some better decision making and certainly have pulled up some other opportunities that were not, I suppose, out there at the time we did it. Anyway, that's it. I'm going to, I'm going to quit now. You can go to the show notes and you can download the business plan template, which will take you through all of these things that I've talked about. Uh, absolutely everything. And you can download that and do whatever you want with it. I'd love to hear from you if you are planning on doing this exercise or if you do it and how good it is for you and if it's made a difference to you. Just uh, just let me know. You can email me at heather at cottageblogger.com. I'll be more than happy to hear from you. This section on business success planning is part of The course that Jodie Bourne and I are pulling together for people looking to really get into this business professionally and to learn more about how to manage it uh, operationally, how to manage it financially, how to do the marketing, how to do absolutely everything in this business. And Jodie and I are calling on multiple decades of experience. You know, myself as a property manager, Jodie, she's been in the business of hospitality and tourism for many years and is an amazing digital marketing and general marketing expert. And she and I have brought all our expertise to bear on this course in the Vacation Rental Formula Business School. If you want to learn more, Want to find out more about that? We're still in the beta phase. We are accepting new students into the beta program, the cost of which is a fraction of what it will be when this course is finally completed and rolls out fully in the new year. So if you're interested in the beta course, go to the show notes or get in touch with myself heather at cottageblogger.com or mike at vacationrentalformula.com and we'll send you some more information. So that's it for this week. I get quite excited. I never used to get excited about business plans, but I do, well, I am pretty excited about um, success planning because I'm doing it myself now much more consistently than I ever did before. So don't forget to write me a review on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on. It's always wonderful to read those reviews. And, uh, you know, if you've got any constructive feedback you'd like to send to me, just do that directly to me. That would be even better. So until next week, it's been an absolute pleasure being with you.
0: Thanks for listening. And don't forget to check out Hostfully, our podcast sponsor. Head on over to the Virtual Vendor Showcase where you can find out more about this incredible company. And don't forget to use the promo code VRF100 to save $100. We look forward to you joining us on our next episode.
1: It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.